0: The readings come from from two different places today, so we're starting in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the Beloved One. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ, as a plan for the right time, to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him we just move back a couple of pages to Galatians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. When the time came to completion, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son then God has made you an heir.
1: New Year to you all. Um, Good to see so many here. Uh, Over January, as it's already been stated, we're having a series that uh, looks at why I believe. Uh, Maybe uh, it might have been better for my personal personality for for it to be why we believe or reasons to believe, but it is reasons why I believe. And I find that, uh, I've found this whole idea of Of it quite tricky because uh, I'm not used to talking I'd much rather talk about the Bible than myself Uh, you know I've I've, uh, it's been a long journey for me to coming to faith in Christ I grew up in a family where I heard about Jesus from an early age and the other problem that I have is it's uh, it's it's been a long time it's sort of the last millennium you know so uh, so it's been a long time since I have put my trust in Christ however that said this series is for us to explore reasons, for, for us to share reasons why we believe. Significant ideas, significant issues, uh, things that have been influential in our journey to faith in coming to Christ and in continuing uh, trust in Christ. And that said, it's a great idea, it's a great series for us to unpack uh, the reasons why, uh, why I believe and why we believe. It's also a challenge for us all uh, to consider what do we believe? What do you believe? And uh, why do you believe it? Uh, Peter writes in his uh, letter that that we always should be ready to have a reason for the hope that we have and to be able to share it uh, with gentleness and respect uh, to others who ask us the reason for the hope that we have. So this is hopefully going to be a helpful thing uh, for us. Now um, there's, there's a lot that can be said uh, and Carl has sort of shared some things just a few minutes ago about the reasons why he believed. And um, my, my reasons are, s- are different to that and I could unpack more. Certainly what Carl said was important to me as well. However, I want to uh, unpack a few, well, five big areas in a sense. They all be- begin with the letter R, so if that, that helps you. And it is relationship, Rejection. Rescue, response and restoration. They're the five uh, letter R's. So let me put the first one up at least. Now as an aside, as I was growing up, um, I, I had an inquiring mind uh, about uh, how things worked. And so this idea of, uh, of God being, or like the idea of how did this happen to be was a significant issue for me. Like, how, how is it that, that the world functions so smoothly and so well? Uh, and, and so this, the, the relationship idea all starts with God who created us. And I'll unpack a, 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 a bit more about this. But, you know, I, I had an inquiring mind. How, how does this... How does this work? And so even now, you know, making things and fixing things and repairing things, often to my wife's horror, um, oh, at last I thought I could get a new dishwasher. Oh, no, he's repaired it again. Uh, happens again. <laughs> Although it was just last night that I went into the ensuite, I won't tell you why, uh, but I couldn't actually open the door to get out because for some reason the lock had jammed. And so my inquiring mind, I started to unscrew the whole thing with a little uh, uh, fingernail clipper, you know, the file on the end, and I'd had it all. I had it half undone my end when suddenly it opened, which was very good. I've now pulled it apart and it's not functioning because the last thing we want is to get locked in there again, that's for sure. Um, anyway, I have, a, have an inquiring mind and, I love, and I've worked in manufacturing, engineering and robotics and automation for most of my uh, uh, career. And as I grew up, I came to the conclusion that it was not illogical to conclude that there's a creative genius behind this world. Now my father was a watchmaker and he used to repair watches, clean them, you know, fix them up, get them going again and his, he, he worked in the city but he had his own little uh, uh, sort of workbench and all that just outside of my bedroom as I grew up. And I remember you know, looking at him and seeing what he did and I came to that conclusion like this is just... An amazing, these are actually his watch parts that I still have. You know, there's parts in there, each of them has a function, each of them has a purpose, each of them has a design, each of them has a reason to be and they're all there and they all need to function well in order for the watch to work. If they don't function well, the watch won't work. If it breaks, you need the person that knows how to fix it, uh, to, to fix it, to repair it. And as I grew up and I, as I started to read the Bible, which, is, uh, the, the, which claims to be God's revelation of himself, hopefully that will be unpacked in another week, but as I re- continued to grow up and read the Bible and understand more of God, I came to realise that there was a purposeful, creative genius Behind this universe and that is God, God who is sovereign over all, God who is the king, God who is the ruler, God who is above everyone else, God who created, God who sustains, God whom, to whom we should give honour and worship and praise because he's God, there's no other, it's not like one God amongst a million gods, there's one above all, that's, that's what the Bible states but I came to also understand that this God is relationship. He is relationship. He is one, yes, yet three persons. And although we might struggle to understand how this all fits together, one thing that we can say of God as He's revealed Himself is that He is relationship. He is relationship. There's oneness, there's perfect unity, there's relationship within God, there's, yet there's distinctness. In that relationship. And so the Bible can state that God is love because he is relationship. You cannot be love without a relationship. God is love because he is relationship. He is not one amongst many, he is God, he is above all. And the relational God made us, created us in his image, relational beings. We all know the significance of relationships. None of us really can function without relationships. We know the, when relationships are going well for us, we have a life energy that helps us to face anything. But when relationships go bad, we know the problems that, they fa- that we face. And we know that we're drained of energy because we're created relational beings in the image of God, the relational God relationships are the currency of the universe we might think that the currency of the universe is the the dollar or the rupee or whatever it might happen to be the yen but it's not it's relationship you want to be rich be rich in relationship you can be a wealthy person but have poor relationships it's not going to be going well for you now the relationship the relationship that we were created to enjoy the relationship that we were created for is relationship with God who made us God made us in his image that we would know him love him and enjoy him forever the relationship that we were created for is relationship with God the relational God We see this in the early chapters of the Bible where God creates, then gives authority to uh, humanity to care for his earth and yet he speaks with and meets with them, he walks with them, he talks with them, he shares with them. God, the relational God, didn't create us to generate relationship, he created us to share relationship and that's what, exactly what we see In the early parts of the scriptures and yet despite God being God humanity rejected God's rule and said I want to go on my own I want to do my own thing and they doubted God's goodness they distrusted his word they laughed at God's right to rule them to judge them They decided and we decide to go it alone. We don't need God. I'll do it my way. I want to do my own thing. I'll reject God and I'll turn away from that relationship with him. And when that primary relationship for which they and we were created was cut, all other relationships spiraled out of control at that particular point. Relationships with each other broken. Relationship with God severed. Relationship with the world around us now difficult. And relationship even within ourselves troubled that's the world in which we live it's a broken world we still might see the goodness of the image of God in each other and in the world around us and yet we see the brokenness and often the brokenness is more in sharp focus than the image of God which gives us pain it's a good world gone bad and as I was growing up and I observed the world around, there were many times where I cried out, it should not be like this. It shouldn't be like this. Why is it so hard? And, and instinctively, intuitively, I understood and knew that the, that the brokenness was there. The trouble and hardship that I was experiencing, well, it was not the way it should be. And there was a sense in which my heart longed for restoration. Restoration of friendships, restoration of the brokenness of the world around us and restoration with God. Because even as a child I had an understanding of my guilt before God and I longed for that restoration. And the more I understood and read the Bible, the more I came to the conclusion that the Bible itself makes perfect sense of our world. It's a good world, gone bad. It's a good world, gone bad. It wasn't just a bad world from the start. If it was a bad world from the start, well, we wouldn't question why it shouldn't be like this. But we always question it shouldn't be this way when things go wrong. We know intuitively it should be good and flourishing and relationships could be, should be fine, and, and, but it's not that way. And our hearts long for things to be restored, restored within ourselves that I wouldn't have the doubts and the troubles and the anxieties that I have. Relationships with each other, we wouldn't have the problems that we have and the guilt that we have with each other relationship with the world around us that we would actually care for it and love it and all of that in relationship ultimately with God because that is the relationship that we were created for and even as a wee lad sorry my father was Scottish even as a wee lad that means a young boy for those of you who don't know uh, I did understand that there's something wrong with this world and all the brokenness and pain and hardship and trouble and sickness, they were all like symptoms of the big problem that I had and the big problem that we all have, and that is our broken relationship with God who created us. But God is God, and he will not let this rejection go on forever. And the Bible tells us that before God, we are rightfully alienated we are rightfully condemned. And that's something that the world just does not accept. And we, without the work of God in us, uh, does not accept. But as I thought about this, I thought, well, that's not illogical to conclude that if God is God... And if I have rejected him, it's not illogical to conclude that relationally, I'm not going to go, things aren't going to go well with him. Because that's the same with all of us. If I don't treat you as you deserve to be treated, well, my relationship with you won't go well. And that's just, we, it, we ought not to be surprised that, that if we don't treat God as God, it's not illogical to conclude. We ought not be surprised that, that we end up on the wrong side of the fence with God and that we're condemned before Him. Now, as I was growing up, I probably thought that sin was just doing some naughty or bad things so what I needed to do was to just try and do less of those naughty and bad things and then maybe God would be happy with me that's that's sort of how I well it was easy for me to 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 think like this but sin is not just doing wrong or bad or naughty things It is more about a relational position towards God that has not treated God as God. And all those bad and naughty things then flow from that like symptoms uh, of a disease. And we're all in the same boat here because none of us have treated God as He deserves to be treated. Now, as a child growing up... uh, look at that and you 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 thought that colour hadn't been invented then <laughs> eh? yeah so look at that took me ages in photoshop to get that to colour but um you know. uh, uh technology uh now as I was going as I said I look I was a prime candidate for thinking that all I needed to do was just live a better life do a few better things. You know, don't, be so, don't, don't say that naughty word and so on. And frankly, then, then things will be right with God. And frankly, that's what the world's religions are all about. Just do, stop doing that and, and try to do those good things more. And then maybe, you know, at the end of your life, God will weigh up the good and weigh up the bad and then let you in or let, not let you in, depending upon that. But that's not the case. We are all... None of us have treated God as he deserves to be treated. We are all condemned. We're all in that ocean of condemnation. And unless God works to bring us out, that's where we will stay. It's not about trying to do a little bit of better stuff, but it's actually trusting in God's rescuer. Because God sent a rescuer to deal with our rejection of Him, to deal with our condemnation of Him. I mean I was a prime candidate for thinking oh it's just a matter of you know I, I was a fairly compliant child, you probably don't realise this but I was a fairly compliant child as I was growing up. My, actually my brothers used to joke and call me Joseph because you know from the Old Testament because uh, they thought I was my mum and dad's pet because I was, you know, I was very compliant with them. I was a prime candidate for thinking, I'm okay with God. But I was not okay with God. Because relationally, I had no idea of treating God as he deserved. And the world's religions are great because they just say, they appeal to your sense of ego. Just do a bit better, you can do it. You're a good person. No, we're not. We're not, we're condemned before God. And it's one of Satan's lies to say, you're okay. You just do a bit better. We need the rescuer to come. And that's what Jesus has come to do. To rescue us from that ocean of condemnation. To pluck us out and to bring us into God's family. For God in his love sent his rescuer into the world so that whoever trusts in him would not perish in that ocean of condemnation, but have eternal life. So John writes, slightly paraphrased, Jesus came into this world not to be served by us, his creatures through whom uh, we were made, serving him, No, he came to serve us and he does that by rescuing us. From our reading in Galatians, when the time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, the law which condemns, by the way, the law which condemns us, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to that law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. There's relational language again. God rescuing us that we could be adopted into his family. And because you are his children, God sent his spirit into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. We can call call God Father Daddy, it's a warm, intimate term that we can use because God has acted to rescue us from being condemned to being welcomed, to being alienated, to being adopted and therefore we're no longer slaves to the law and its condemnation but God's child and since you are God's child, God's son, God has also made you an heir, an heir of his kingdom. See the relational language there, the relational God bringing us into relationship with him and that's exactly uh, the first reading that we had from Ephesians 1 unpacks as well. There's praise to God the Father for his work in bringing us into right relationship uh, with him through his electing work from before the foundation of the world. If God didn't act in love to rescue us, nothing would happen. That might shock us. That might shock you. You might think, what are you talking about? I'm a good person. We need God's rescue. We need God's rescuer. And I remember even as a youngster realising that, yeah, all the good I could do, all the good that I could ever do was never going to be good enough. I was condemned before God. I needed His rescue. I needed to trust His love and mercy. I needed to come to Him ask for forgiveness and ask for his help to treat him as he deserves to be treated. And this work of God bringing us into relationship with him through the work of Christ from Ephesians 1, his blood shed for us, given for us, bringing us redemption, purchasing us, bringing us into his family and the work of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1, sealing us, making us gods you know the old-fashioned seal that used to be put on a letter to say this is from the king or this is from the emperor or whatever what has happened to be we're sealed by the holy spirit guaranteeing our inheritance the work of the father son and holy spirit in bringing us into right relationship with him and our response ultimately to restore all things under christ and our response therefore is to trust the message Trust the message that yes, we have a broken relationship with God, no matter how good you think we are, no matter how good we think we might be, we have a broken relationship with God and we need to turn back to Him. Trust Jesus, that He has paid for our wrong. In short, we are called upon to repent, that means to turn, Carl mentioned this before, to turn from living life as if well, hey, I'm okay to turn from living life just for me to turn to living God's way, asking him for help. But first, we ask for his forgiveness and trust his son who paid the price for all the wrong that we've ever done. Now, friends, I can't exactly remember the time when I became a Christian. Uh, maybe that happens when you grow up in a home where you're about Jesus from an early age but I do remember a time uh, when yes I remember yes I trust in Christ yes I'm a sinner I need forgiveness I trust in Christ and that has been a blessed assurance that I've had for many many years I asked for forgiveness I gave my life to Jesus, with a desire to treat Him as God's King, as He deserves. And friends, you and all of humanity stands at the crossroad of decision. What are we going to do with this message? Hey, we hear messages all the time. We're sick of messages. The phone goes off. It's so-and-so saying that there's a package coming. You need to supply your details. So-and-so's sending you a message to say, hey, uh, y- you've got a problem with the taxation department. You need to log into this website and, and uh, otherwise we, we, you'll be you know, threatened with legal action. Like, we all get these messages, right, on our phone. What are we supposed to do with them? Delete them, forget them, you know? What do we do with this message? It's a serious message. God is saying for us, repent and believe the good news. What are we going to do with it? Delete it like everything else? Well, we have a decision to make. May I, uh, as I end here, you think, he's ending, wow, Um, share a little bit of uh, my life as an engineer and my manufacturing background. These are some of the pictures of my company I work for for the last 15 years of my... The name is John Hart. It's just under here, (laughs) under the... It's just behind the front wheel. That's where all the mud gets thrown. And um, <laughs> you, you, yeah. And we, were meant, we supplied metal manufacturing equipment and robotics and automation to, to uh, many, many uh, companies throughout Australia and New Zealand. And we actually installed the largest robotic installation in Australia, possibly the Southern Hemisphere. I should have checked that out. But certainly the largest in Australia, uh, welding and putting together the, the Holden Motor car, do you ever remember the Holden motor car? There you go, that's a name from the past. Uh, And uh, this was uh, me uh, at one of those uh, robots. This was uh, over 30 years ago, over 30 years ago. There you go. And uh, they were quite hefty beasts, I can tell you. And uh, and a lot of thought going into the programming of them. And I lectured and taught in robotics, automation, metal manufacturing, computer control, and uh, so on for many years. Now, uh, one of the other things I taught in was metrology, which is a fancy word for making sure that things are measured properly in manufacturing processes. Now, sometimes in manufacturing processes, I don't know if this is a new thing for you, sometimes things don't go quite right. And uh, so there's problems. And at the, at the, at, you know, the, the biggest recent one has been uh, from uh, I won't name the name but airbag manufacturer that has had problems. And now if, you, if there's a problem in men, metal manufacturing, uh, you, you, you might get a letter in the mail. You might just hear it on the radio that your car's got a defect. You might uh, see it on the TV news that if you've got this sort of vehicle from this period of time, you've got to send it in and they will fix it for you. The, the cost to the company is often massive to, to rectify these uh, faults. My car just went in for a service uh, in the last three weeks and, and they fixed a, 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 a defect in a in, in motor vehicle. Um, now, the, the thing is... You know, you might not get a letter with your name on it to say, oh, by the way, Cole, your car's got this problem. You might not receive this. But if you have that car, it concerns you. Now, a lot of the time when people get these or hear about these recall notices, uh, there's a few responses that you can have. Hey, it's my car. I'll do as I please. I'm not going to take it in. Or maybe you'll say, hey, it's worked okay so far. The seatbelt mount hasn't fallen off yet. I don't need to worry about sending it in. Uh, I'll wait till it gets worse. I'll wait for it to sort of start flopping around there. And then I'll go, oh, I'll take it in and get it repaired then. And then I'll have a new seatbelt mount then. Uh, Or maybe I'll try and fix it myself. There you go. A lot of people might have a crack at doing that. Or maybe people will say, I don't have time right now. Or some people might even say, oh, what does Holden know, uh, you know about their car? You know, what are they, what are they, who would they know? I mean, I think that would probably be a bit silly to, to do that, but some people might uh, come to that conclusion. However, if you believe or trust the message, you will do something about it. If you trust that message that your seatbelt it's going to fall off in the next six months, you need to take your car in to get it repaired, they will fix it for you, they will pay for it. If you believe that message, if you trust that message, you will do something about it. There's nothing religious or mystical about it at all. It's simply trusting the message and you'll do something about it. Well, God, friends, has written a product recall to every single one of us here today. Every single one on planet earth, God has written a product recall uh, to each and every one of us. The problem has not come from His end, the problem has come from our end. We have sabotaged the seat mount, we've stuffed it up, we've wrecked it but He has issued the product recall to humanity It may not have your name on it, but we do have a defect, every single one of us, and the defect is a broken relationship with God, the original, if I can call him that, the original equipment manufacturer. It's from our end. The relationship that we were created to enjoy, we've sabotaged it. We're condemned. And the product recall message as I've already said, is to come back to him. Trust Jesus, turn back to him and be forgiven. Jesus said those words, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Repent, that means to turn and believe the good news, the good news that Jesus came to pay the price for our rebellion. Now you might be a very good living person, you might think that your relationship with God is fine, but what are you going to do with this message that says you've got a defect? Will you trust it? Now, a lot of people, when they hear this message about Jesus, will say, well, it's my life. I'll live as I please. Exactly the same as the product recall statement. Or well, my life has worked okay so far. I'll, I'll just leave it. I'll wait till things get worse. I'll wait till I'm old. I'll wait till I have a problem and then I'll think about it, I'll try and fix my relationship with God myself, that's what the world's religions are all about, every single one of them is all about fixing, trying to fix and do something yourself to fix your broken relationship with God, it does not work, we need God to act. Many will say I don't have time right now, I don't want to talk about this, And some people might even question the original equipment manufacturer's message, God's message to us. What does God know about me? What does God know about the world? (laughs) If he's there, if he is God, if he is sovereign, then he knows everything about it. What will you do with this message? It's not taking your car in to get it fixed. It's taking your life in To be restored and God will take our brokenness and he will take our condemnation and he will fix it that we would have a right relationship with him the sort of thing we need to say to God is the very thing that we would need to say to a friend that we've offended there's nothing magical or mystical about these words it's saying I haven't treated you as you deserve please forgive me And God, please change me. Thank you that Jesus died in my place so that I would not be condemned. Thank you that he is the rescuer who's plucked me out of that ocean of condemnation, that we could be adopted into your family. And help me, help me, dear Lord God, to treat you, living, treating you as you deserve to be treated. And when we pray this sort of prayer, God will hear us and he will... Restore that relationship. Restore that relationship for which you were created. He will restore your friendship with him. And you can look forward to the new creation where under Christ everything will be restored. Relationship with God perfected for all of eternity. Relationships with each other enjoyed forever. Relationship with the creation around us beautified no threats no problems and so these five words have been significant for me relationship rejection rescue response trusting and restoration they've been helpful for my journey do you believe